In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, if we look at the statistics regarding car accidents around the world, all the car accidents, so many car accidents that happen every year, and we try to figure out what is the primary cause for car accidents, it turns out that the number one cause for anyone getting into an accident is lack of attention. They're not focused on the main purpose for which you're on the road, which is driving. They are distracted by many things. And we all know that when you're driving, if you're not focused, if you're not paying attention to what you're doing, you could easily get into an accident. You've got to pay attention to what is ahead of you. If there is a a green light, a yellow light, a red light, you have to pay attention to the car beside you, the cars behind you. You have to pay attention to the lines on the road. And if you're not focused on these things, you could very well get into an accident, harm yourself, and possibly endanger your own life. You could possibly lose your life when you get into a car accident. Perhaps you yourself have experienced situations where you weren't paying attention and you got lucky. You just happened to narrowly escape some sort of car accident And you thanked God and your guardian angel that something didn't happen to you. Or perhaps there was other times when you weren't paying attention and you actually did get into an accident. And you were thankful that it was not fatal for you. So the bottom line is, if you want to save your life on the road, you've got to pay attention. And the exact same thing is true when it comes to saving our eternal life, not just our physical life on the road, but saving our eternal life on the road of life, we have to pay attention. We have to be alert, very alert. There are three main sources of temptation that kind of work like those dangers that we experience on the road. They're all around us, and they could at any time cause us to lose the life of God and therefore endanger, jeopardize our eternal life. These are the three temptations that our Lord goes through today. These these three types of temptations that we all experience, our Lord gives us an example today of defeating them. Of course, he has undergone 40 days of fasting and penance. He's very fortified in order to face the devil at the end of the 40 days, and he easily defeats the devil. The first temptation is the temptation of the flesh, where the devil asks him to change the stones into bread, to work a miracle gratuitously without relying upon the providence of God, to feed himself through his miraculous power. And our Lord refuses. The second is the temptation of the world, where the devil takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple and invites him to throw himself down in the anticipation that the angels would come and grab him. So so everybody's looking at the temple. He throws himself down. The angels come, scoop him up, prevent him from dying. And then everybody is in awe at this holy man who has been preserved. And so he gains, our Lord would gain, fame and glory through this, the temptation of the world. And the third, of course, the third temptation that we all experience is the temptation of the devil himself, the world, the flesh, and the devil, 
where the devil comes to him and, and shows him all of the nations of the world and says, I will give you all this. The only thing you have to do is serve me, worship me. These three temptations, as I said, our Lord drove away with great ease. We may say, because he had done 40 days of fasting and penance. He was giving us an example of how you fortify yourself before you are tempted in order to anticipate the danger that you will be in. But of course, our Lord was God himself. It's metaphysically impossible for our Lord to commit any sin. And so we know that he was doing this to set an example for us. We, when it comes to us, we are not metaphysically fortified against sin. On the contrary, we are very attracted by sin. By the fact that we have a human nature, we have an inclination to sin. We have a certain love for sin, an intrinsic love for sin. And this is why temptations are so very dangerous for us. And when it comes down to it, we often give in to them. We often surrender to them. And so damage our soul or even remove the life of God from our soul. So we cannot be uh, ever as strong as our Lord was on that day. And for that reason, our Lord is always exhorting us so frequently in the Gospels to do one thing. There's one thing that we have to do. Watch. Watch. Vigilate. Our Lord says over and over and over again, be ready. Be alert throughout your entire life. Watch out for those dangers. Look out for your eternal salvation, for your soul, at all times, 24-7, till the day that you die, so that you do not lose your soul. We have to be watchful because we just don't know. We can't predict the future. We don't have a crystal ball. We can't anticipate fully all of the things that will happen to us in our lives. What sort of dangers will assault us? It's just like when you're on the road. You don't know if someone's going to run a red light once you get on the road. You don't know if the truck in front of you is going to drop some, a bunch of stones or something and suddenly go in your path and you'll have to swerve. You don't know when that deer is going to jump, jump out in front of you. You can't anticipate all the dangers that you will face. The only thing that you have to do then, the only thing that you can do to protect yourself is be alert when you're driving so that when you're watching the road at all times, you'll be able to react right away when something happens. Whereas someone who's distracted, someone who's, who's texting, or someone who's, who's talking to the person next to them, or doing some other things, perhaps talking on the phone, when those things happen, they will not be ready. They will not be able to save their lives. They will smack right into the car or the deer or whatever it is, and therefore possibly lose their lives. This same thing is true for the spiritual life. Normally speaking, if we're leading a good Catholic life, the temptations that we have are not strong enough to cause us to fall into mortal sin if we're leading a good Catholic life. But for every single one of us, there will come a day when the pressures of life 
when the circumstances, circumstances will conspire to place before us an, a temptation and a pressure to sin that will be greater than anything we have yet experienced. And we have to be ready for that danger whenever it might come. Who knows what it will be? I don't know what it will be. You don't know what it will be. I don't know what it will be for me. You don't know what it will be for you. But the point is, you have to be ready. You have to be watching. The only way you will survive that temptation, the only way you will be able to reject sin when that mega temptation comes is if you are vigilant. That's why our Lord insists on so many occasions that we watch, that we be vigilant at all times. I can't go through all of the parables that our Lord gives for this, all of the examples in the Gospels where he talks about this, but I just want to give three, three successive chapters in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapters 24, 25, and 26. Every single one of them is exhorting us to watch, to be vigilant. In Matthew 24 and 25, our Lord wants to tell us that we always be on guard to maintain the life of grace in our souls, that we not lose the life of grace. Because we just don't know when we are going to die. What we have to do, the one thing that we have to do in this life, is to make sure that the moment of our death coincides with us being in the state of grace. That's what you have to accomplish in your life. If you've done that, if you do that, if you get what we call that grace of final perseverance, you will go to heaven. Your life will be a success. You will be eternally happy. If, however, the moment of your death coincides with you not being in the friendship of God, with you being in the state of sin, then you will go to hell for all eternity. And as I say, we just don't know when we will die. And, and our Lord emphasizes that. He emphasizes it in an extraordinary way. He makes a comparison that we would never make. He compares himself to something we would never compare God to. A thief. A thief. He compares himself to a thief. The coming of the Lord is like a thief in the night. Not in the sense that, that God ever takes anything from us. No, God can only give. God never takes anything from us. So that, that's not the point of comparison. That's not why he calls himself a thief. He calls himself a thief because thieves come unexpectedly. They come at a time when we don't know. That's precisely why um, they're thieves. I mean, they, they're not going to come when you know they're coming or else you would stop them from coming. So they pick a time when they think that you will least expect them. But those who are watching will be able to stop them. Those who are vigilant over the security of their house will be able to stop the thief from taking away things from them. So our Lord says, I will come. The coming of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. You have to be vigilant. You have to be watching. You have to be ready when your life will be taken from you, that you be in the grace of God. And, I mean, we just have to realize there's no guarantee that that time will be a time when we are in the state of grace. 
How often, how, ma- how many hours of our life are spent in the state of grace? Are we in the state of grace 30% of the time? 50% of the time? 75% of the time? Even if there's just a little time when we are not, unfortunately, in the state of grace, then there's no guarantee that we will save our souls. We have to be vigilant over the state of our souls at all times, trying to make sure that we maintain that life of God so that whenever death comes, which we do not know, we will be ready. This is why in Matthew 25, our Lord gives the parable of the ten virgins. And in this case, it's also the coming of the Lord, but he's like a bridegroom who's going to take you, he's going to come, he's going to take you to the wedding feast. Heaven, our Lord often represents heaven as a wedding feast. So these ten virgins are there, and they're waiting for him to come. They don't know exactly when he's going to come. And what's necessary for them is that they keep their lamps lit. And that light in their lamps symbolizes the love of God, the life of charity that is ablaze in their souls. And when the bridegroom comes, if they have their lamps lit, if that light is there, then he will take them into his carriage and he will take them off to the palace and they will be there at the wedding feast forever, for all eternity. But if they do not have that light lit when he comes, then he will say to them, I don't know who you are. I don't recognize you. And he will not take them to the wedding feast. Then finally, in Matthew 26, is the scene of the agony in the garden. And we get the example of the apostles who did not follow the advice of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the moment for the apostles of the supreme temptation when circumstances conspired against them to put them in a position of immense pressure to commit sin. And they were not ready. Our Lord said to them, Watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. And instead, what did they do? They took a nap. They went to sleep instead of praying and strengthening themselves for the temptation to come. They took a nap under a tree. And when Judas and all the soldiers came to take away our Lord, they were not strong enough to stand beside God himself at the time when he needed them most, and they ran away. So, my dear faithful, why is it that we do not have the proper vigilance over our own soul? I mean, wouldn't we think that this would be something very important for us? That we would say, wow, if, it, if, I, if I compare watching over my body that I not have disease, making sure I brush my teeth, making sure I nourish my body properly, and I compare that to taking care of my soul, which will last forever and which will determine my eternal happiness, that I need to be more vigilant for my soul than I am for my body. Yet, there are various things, various reasons why we do not take as seriously as we should the, necessi- the necessity to be vigilant. First of all, physical fatigue. What we find is that when we are exhausted, for whatever reason, or when we're really stressed out, we find it very difficult to be vigilant over our souls. And the devil knows this. 
The devil will try extra hard to tempt you when you are wiped out. He will try extra hard to tempt you to sin, to mortal sin, when you are wiped out. You have to be vigilant, especially when you're stressed out and when you're physically exhausted. Secondly, laziness. At the end of the day, as I say, we often just are not willing to make the effort necessary to be vigilant. We're surrounded by all these wicked things in the 21st century world. It's in the very air that we breathe. And so we have to be even more vigilant today than people of the past. The, the path to sin, the path to grave sin, is so accessible. It's so easy today. Where, whereas in times past, you had to go through many more steps in order to get to grave sin. That we have to be more vigilant. And it's just, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who don't want to make that effort. It's like, this is too much work, not going to do it. And then thirdly, indifference. Because of our worldliness, we, we don't believe enough in the importance of the faith. We don't believe enough in the importance of our soul over our body. And so we, we just don't take the, the proper precautions. Um, well, as I say, I mean, St. Peter says the devil is, is going about all the time like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. I mean, if we, if we knew there were dangerous animals, like I, I lived in Australia for 10 years, and you're very conscious that you might be, encounter a poisonous snake at any time. So you had to be very watchful, looking around, looking where you stepped, because I was in the countryside. Um, but, but it's much worse with the devil, who's like a roaring lion. He can step out. And seek to grab you. Um, there's this the world, as I say, surrounding us with all manner of occasions of sin. And there's our own fallen nature, which inclines us to sin, is attracted to sin. And in spite of all these things, we're just like, mm, yeah, I mean, my soul, kind of important, but yeah, I've got other things really to look after. So my dear faithful, it's really during Lent that the church invites us to train ourselves to be vigilant. We undergo this 40-day period of training for combat with the devil. Hopefully, through our Lenten practices, we can put ourselves in a state, in such a state. We are so attached to our Lord, we are so close to our Lord, that nothing will take away the life of grace for us. We were able to face any temptations in any circumstances and yet remain faithful to our Lord. So the church invites us to three practices that are directed against those three temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. First of all, against the devil, we have prayer. You are invited by the church to be more prayerful during Lent. Take the resolution of perhaps doing extra prayer or extra spiritual reading, extra rosary, whatever. That will help you against the devil because you will be closer to God, <clears throat> be easier to reject the advances of the devil. Secondly, against the flesh, the practice of fasting, where you mortify your flesh, you chastise your flesh, you bring it into subjection. And that, that means <clears throat> that you subdue your own body and the temptations that come from you, that just well up from your lower nature, you will be able to push them down more easily through your Lenten practices. And then thirdly, against the world, the practice of almsgiving, where you give away 
willfully give away, voluntarily give away your worldly goods in order to make you less materialistic, to dematerialize your life and therefore make you uh, more spiritual, better able to relate to supernatural things. So my dear faithful, do you think that your immortal soul is something worth paying attention to at all times? Will you save your soul if you are not constantly vigilant throughout your whole life? If you're not always ready to face whatever temptations may come upon you? No, you will not save your soul. That is why you must follow the advice of our Lord. You must watch at all times. Be very generous during this Lent. Exercise yourselves in these three practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Develop that habit of caring for your soul with a greater attention than you care for anything else. And whenever that thief comes, whenever that bridegroom comes, which you do not know, which I do not know, you will be ready, and he will take you to the eternal banquet of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.